The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown presents The Palace of Wayward Dreams, Episode 3. Elizabeth had never seen a hearth so large. Dark stone and mortar ringed the vast opening, and Elizabeth could have stood upright in the fireplace without needing to tilt her head. Everything in the room seemed oversized, like the domain of a giant. Massive logs crackled with flame. A Persian carpet was sprawled on floorboards as thick as railroad ties. The ceiling was high and vaulted. Even the fire pokers looked like medieval weapons hanging from the wall. The maid didn't enter the room, but leaned into the doorframe. Mum, she murmured, your guests are here, Professor O'Malley and Miss Crown. At first, Lady Shanley was hidden in her high-backed chair. Elizabeth heard no response, and she hesitated. Should she wait for welcoming words, or should she simply waltz into the den? She took a step forward, then another, and nimbly rounded the carpet. Slowly, the old woman emerged behind her upholstery. She was brittle and pale. Her skin was like vellum. Her lips were violet, and her skin barely seemed to cover her skull. But her hair retained its auburn hue, and she wore a flattering wool gown. Lady Shanley was not old enough for wrinkles or spots, and she retained the handsomeness of middle age. But her figure had shrunken. Two wizened fingers were splayed across her chapped lips. A ring of embroidery lay on her lap, where only a few meaningless shapes had been threaded. Lady Shanley gazed into the glowing hearth with intractable passion, as if the flame itself would reveal the purpose of living. Instinctively, Elizabeth moved ahead of O'Malley. She curtsied clumsily in front of the fire. She felt silly doing this, but it worked. The woman seemed to break from her trance. A Lady Shanley, Elizabeth murmured. How do you do? Lady Shanley smiled vacantly, as if she had no idea what she was smiling about. I'm lovely, dear, thank you, she replied. Then she looked down noticed her needlework, and affixed a thimble to her thumb. Without another word, she started to draw colored thread through the blank fabric. Elizabeth lingered there for a moment, hoping the woman would ask a question, but the only sound was the crackle of the fire. Helplessly, Elizabeth looked at O'Malley. The professor shook his head in dismay. There was nothing more to say. Elizabeth shrugged her shoulders and pointed toward the doorway. Together, they tiptoed away from the scene, toward the corridor. The maid watched them pass. She took a final glance into the room, made sure Lady Shanley was preoccupied, and pushed the heavy door shut. O'Malley breathed onto his spectacles. The way he wiped the lenses against the hem of his jacket, Elizabeth could tell he was agitated. Forgive me, miss, O'Malley whispered to the maid. But what in blazes is going on? Not here, 
the maid whispered back. She crooked a finger, ushering them to follow. They descended a staircase, and the maid nudged open a door. The autumnal air flooded the corridor as they stepped outside. They emerged in a central court. The ground was paved with cobblestone, and a crabapple tree grew in the middle, its bare branches twisting in all directions. Two stone benches stood on either side of the court, and all around them rose the half-timbered walls and dark windows that made up the house's interior. Elizabeth imagined this space in summer, when the flowers would bloom in their planters. But this was a dreary time of year, and everything looked colorless and damp. The maid drew a metal case from her apron pocket and placed a cigarette between her lips. O'Malley produced a packet of matches, and a moment later the girl was inhaling deeply, her eyes distant. "'What's your name, anyhow?' asked Elizabeth brusquely. "'Alexandra?' she said, but Lexi really. Listen, Lexi, I know we're strangers, but we're here to help. At least, Elizabeth shot a critical glance at O'Malley. I'm assuming that's why we're here. A guest is much, answered Lexi softly, waving smoke away. And that's precisely why I showed you Lady Shanley just now. She's daft, you can tell. She speaks nary a word. But Lexi, O'Malley said gently, where is Teddy? If not here, then where has he gone? Down the way, said Lexi, to the other side of town. So you know where he is? Aye, said Lexi, but I fear what's happened to him. You see, I think we've lost him to opium. Why don't you sit down, O'Malley offered. Lexi waved off the suggestion. It seemed like such a normal place, Lexi began, her voice soft and warbled. But it's not at all. This place is touched. Lexi's eyes fixed on a faraway point. She never looked at her listeners, and she burned each cigarette to the nub, pausing only long enough to light a fresh one. When Sir Shenley hired me, I was so grateful, sir, I truly was, she went on. This house... I'd never seen its like. It was so grand, so beautiful. And the master was so kind. The missus, too. I never knew service could be so sublime. I swore I'd do anything to keep this job, no matter what they asked. Lexi was new, and she was nervous. The house was enormous, and Lexi was startled to learn that she was the only full-time maid. Other workers rotated through the house without fanfare. A cook prepared their meals. Laborers arrived every few months to clean out the gutters, sweep the chimney, or repair some old brickwork. Otherwise, the house was quiet. Lexi's job was not easy, given the endless rooms to dust and arrange, but it wasn't difficult. There were no ashtrays to clear, no guests to serve, no elaborate meals to clean up. The Shanleys spent their days in isolation, roaming from room to room. They occupied themselves with newspapers, old books, letter writing, or cross-stitch in high-backed chairs. They barely spoke, and the house could fall as silent as a tomb. Visitors were so rare 
that Lexi wondered what she should do if anyone knocked. Without fail, she finished her tasks by noon. Sometimes she borrowed books from Shanley's study to occupy her time. I had permission though, Lexi proclaimed, startling Elizabeth. The master said as much. I could take any book I liked as long as I returned it to the same spot. Anything good in there? Elizabeth simpered. Lexi blushed. Honestly, I'm not well schooled, and I reckon most of them books aren't even English, but I fancy the pictures, you see. But there were no signs, O'Malley interrupted, of distress or despair. Not at first, said Lexi, but then, one evening, Master Shanley went out. His exit was strange, only because it had never happened before. The man rarely went outside, and he never ran errands. Stranger still, Shanley was anxious. He gave a flurry of useless instructions, and then he threw on his coat and charged into the street. He left in such a hurry that he left the door wide open. Lexi was flummoxed. Where could her master have gone? To the pub? Surely not. To a friend's house? What friends did he have in Nesterton? After six months in the house, Lexi realized how little she knew about the man. Their home was like a museum, stately and impersonal. Its artifacts revealed little about her employers, who they were, where they had been. They might as well be tenants in a stranger's house. Shanley returned around midnight. Lexi heard movement in the vestibule and rushed to attend, but the old man had already started to ascend the staircase. She called his name, but Shanley only waved back, aloof. He moved down the hall and slipped into his bedroom without a word. And he never said where he went, O'Malley said. Not a peep, answered Lexi. Not any of the other times either. You mean it happened again? Oh yes, many times, twice a week at least, for months, and each time he seemed more restless. I had never seen him like that before. After that first night, Shanley never announced his departure. He dressed himself in private and left through different doors, escaping to the street. Sometimes hours would pass before Lexi was certain Shanley was gone. He would return later and later, two in the morning, four, and after a few weeks, Lexi no longer bothered to wait for him. Whatever he was up to, Shanley was evading notice. But as his absences lengthened, Lexi became more frightened for his welfare. She had never called the police in her life, and she wondered what she would do if Shanley ever failed to come back. Meanwhile, Lady Shanley showed little sign of concern. She spent her days migrating through the house, saying nothing. When the Cheshire cat emerged, Lady Shanley would silently stroke it for hours. She stared through the windows and watched birds build a nest in the neighbor's rooftop. She seemed imperturbable, unaware of anything awry. Lexi found no comfort in her routine. She made the usual rounds, shoveling ashes out of the fireplace, polishing silver, sweeping particles from the floors. But she couldn't lose herself in her work, as she had done all her life. 
nor could she eat a full meal or sleep through the night. Without Sir Shanley in the house, the place felt hollow. Sometimes it was so quiet and empty, I wanted to scream, Lexi declared, and I was so worried about Master Shanley, I truly was. No doubt, sneered Elizabeth. If anything happened to him, you'd have to hit the bricks. Elizabeth, shot O'Malley. It's true, though, Lexi confessed, and her eyes dropped to the paving stones. I was afraid. I owed them everything, and I feared what he was up to. But I also wondered, if he was in trouble, what would happen to Lady Shanley, or to me? I have cousins who were cast in the street, and it's a horrid way to go. And if he were tangled in the wrong web, if there was something I could do to prevent his ruin, how could I live with myself if I didn't try? You followed him then, O'Malley said. I did, Lexi affirmed. But you must know, it was only because I couldn't stand it any longer. You were right to do so, O'Malley assured her. But tell us, where did he go? I followed him down the street, said Lexi. It was difficult because there was hardly anyone about, and if he heard any footsteps at all, he'd turn around and see me. I had to keep my distance, and sometimes he was so far away I thought I'd lose him. He walked for more than a mile, I'd say, clear across town. I don't mind saying it's not the nicest street, the one he came to. There's a fair number of pubs and a house of ill repute, I know that much. I nearly turned round. It's one thing to wander about such streets alone, but it's quite another to be seen there. A girl can get a reputation. Was it Lilac Way? O'Malley asked. Yes, it was. Do you know it? I do. And that, I presume, is where you found the opium den. Yes, sir. And I can't say what came over me, but... Lexi took a long breath. I watched him go inside. And not long after, five minutes round about across the street and knocked on that door myself. I've never been scared or in my life, but I stood strong I did. When a man cracked open the door, I said, the master of my house just came in here. I want to see the proprietor of this place. I have a message for him. And just like that, the proprietor appeared. Who was he? He was a Chinaman, not very old, quite handsome if I say so myself. He said, may I help you? Just like that. He was well-spoken, gentleman-like. And what did you reply? said O'Malley. I said, the master of my house just stepped in and he forgot his pocket watch. His pocket watch? I took it, said Lexi. From his coat pocket, that very afternoon. I knew he wouldn't check for it, not till later. At first, I wanted him to think it was pilfered. That watch was special, I knew and he would try to retrace his steps, maybe come home early. But when I saw him go inside that den, I felt a bit angry. I know it's not my place, but how dare he? Sneaking out like a thief in the night, abandon his wife, who's never done him wrong. How could he spend his time like that, puffing a pipe like a common vagabond? I wanted him to know I'd seen him. I wanted him to reconsider. Whatever his trouble... I wanted him to overcome it. When was that? Lexi closed her eyes and swallowed hard. Three weeks ago. If he's been home, I've not seen him. Three weeks, O'Malley exclaimed. Are you serious? 
and... Lexi pressed a hand against her cheek. I fear that I'm the one who made it worse. And in him that pocket watch like I did. Could I have been the final straw? Was it the shame of being found out? Could I have... Not another word, said O'Malley. Whatever Sir Shanley has done, he's done it of his own volition. You're as blameless as can be, and I'll hear no more speculation. But tell me this. Would you recognise the place, the opium den? I know exactly where it is, but I won't go there alone. We'll go together, O'Malley said soothingly. We'll keep you safe, I promise. Lexi threw her final cigarette to the ground and crushed it into the stones with her toe. Well, let's go then. Wait, O'Malley said. Not yet. Miss Crown and I have just arrived and we ought to rest a few hours. We mustn't barrel into an opium den half-cocked. Aye, Lexi said, nodding abashedly. Of course. Now, lass, O'Malley went on. I hope you'll give us a moment. Certainly. She straightened her apron and backed away toward the door. I'll prepare your rooms. We'd be much obliged, said O'Malley. He smiled tiredly. He pressed a fist to his lips, waiting. He took a long breath. Elizabeth sensed his whirling thoughts. She drifted to the bench and touched its hard surface. She was relieved to find that the bench was cold but not moist. She seated herself straightened her skirt, and waited for O'Malley to speak. All right, he said, and crossed his arms over his chest. You've been more than patient, and you deserve an explanation. You've been listening to The Palace of Wayward Dreams, Episode 3, by Robert Eisenberg. The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown is produced by Backpack Media, LLC. Original music by Naoya Sakamata. If you like what you're hearing, you might enjoy The Mysterious Tongue of Dr. Vermilion and other stories, the first book in the Elizabeth Crown series. For more information about the exciting field of uncanology, visit elizabethcrown.net.